Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and the absolute light of my life, Connie, is going to tell us about Gina North. Made me happy. Oh. <laughs> if you have been a longtime listener of the podcast, you have heard me cover the case of Jacob Wetterling. And I'm not going to dive in too deep with this because it is one of the cases that we've done that I'm like that I've covered that I'm most proud of. So I encourage you to like just go check it out. Um, but a brief synopsis is that on October 22nd, 1989, 11 year old Jacob Wetterling was abducted after biking home from a convenience store with his younger brother and best friend. A man wearing a ski mask, holding a gun, ordered the three boys to lie face down in a ditch. The man ordered Jacob's younger brother to take off running towards the woods and told him that if he looked back, he would shoot them. The man then looked at Jacob and Aaron, who was his friend, and told Aaron to get up, gave him the same orders. Um, he, looked at their he looked at their faces first and then essentially picked one and told Aaron to take off running and to same under the same like premise that he would shoot him if he looked back his case went cold and it stayed cold until 2014 when investigators started to piece together a series of attempted and actual child molestations in the area two years prior to jacob's abduction in october of 2015 danny heinrich was named as a person of interest and then after a series of breakthroughs he was ultimately charged and with the murder of Jacob and would ultimately lead Jacob's family and investigators to the location of Jacob's body on September 1st, 2016. The period of torture and uncertainty was something that like, you know, you really can't describe. I hope that people don't have to go through it, but it's something that unless you've lived it, you don't know. Um, the 27 years that Jacob's whereabouts were unknown completely rocked the area of St. Joseph, Minnesota. So you're probably wondering why I'm talking about a previous case. Well, we had a listener reach out to us after hearing Jacob's case and asked if we had heard about the case of Gina North. So naturally got lost in the rabbit hole and realized that another family only five hours away from where Jacob was kidnapped and murdered would live the exact same nightmare as that the Wetterlings were living during the same time. On June 28, 1993, 11-year-old Gina North was having the summer day that we all had and loved. And probably when you look back on your childhood, you're like, hell yeah, that was a great time. She spent the day hanging out with friends. She capped off the evening with a swim at Fargo's Island Park Pool. The girls stayed at the pool until it closed at 9 o'clock. Once the pool closed, her dad, John North, came to pick her and her friends up and take them home. It was still light out because it was summer night, so Gina begged her dad to let her stay out past curfew so that she could rollerblade with her friends. John North told his daughter that she could have her curfew, like, extend it by 30 minutes, but that she needed to be home around 10.30. And before any, especially if we have younger listeners, before you're like, oh my gosh, an 11-year-old out at 10.30. Dude, this is the 90s. That's I was normal. just talking to my brother about this, about how when we were seven and eight years old, we were, during the summer, taking our little dollar bill and walking to the public pool, like, by mm -hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Just to go swimming for the entire day with no parent, and then walking home. Yeah. I know people are like, no wonder she got kidnapped. <laughs> but, but like, that's just, that's what it was. You know, it just. Dude, I remember did. that. I remember my parents literally kicking us out of the house and told us like, do not come home until streetlights came on. Yeah. Like, that was it. Like, see ya. Whatever happens, like. You belong Good to luck. the streets at this point. <laughs> it was a different kind of street back then. Yeah, different yeah. kind than what we belonged to in college. <laughs> um, around 9.15, Gina headed off on her rollerblades with a couple of new friends who, you know, they're just getting to know each other, just like hanging out. One of the girls' names was Clarice Geising. 
And as they rollerbladed past Clarice's house, Gina tossed her shoes in the front yard and the girls just skated off. Still rollerblading, the girls pass a neighbor, Kyle Bell, as he's installing a light bar on the back of his pickup. They talk to him for a couple of minutes and Gina mentions that she had to get home by 1030. Running late, as young girls do, the girls head to a convenience store called the Stop and Go where a cop saw them on the corner outside of the gas station around that same time. Around 10.45, the girls arrived back to Clarice's where she asked if Gina wanted her mom to, like, escort her home. Gina was like, no, it's not a big deal. It's less than a block away. Her exact words were, it's just down the street. I'll be fine. So Clarice watches Gina rollerblade off, leaving her shoes behind. That night, Gina's dad, John, fell asleep on the couch watching a documentary on TV, as dads did in the 90s. <laughs> John woke up the next morning, went to the rooms of Gina's older sister, Jessica, she was 15, and Jennifer, who was 13. Just checked on them, just like, oh, hey, good morning, what's up? When he got to Gina's room, he noticed that she wasn't in there. So his first thought was maybe she had already, like, Organized it with her, like Sue, who is her mom, to like spend the night with this girl. So he goes downstairs. He's like, Oh, yeah, Sue, like Gina's not in the room. Did she stay with her friend? And Sue was like, No. So she they was start, to be home at she was supposed to be home at 10 30. So they start calling around to all of Gina's friends to see if they had seen her. Um, they started looking around the neighborhood, but no one had seen Gina since she was left Clarissa's. When no one had seen or heard from Gina and her family had checked all of the area around, they called the police. Reality set in that Gina was nowhere to be found. The family offered a $2,000 reward for any information that would lead to her safe return. The family knew that she hadn't run away, but that was a theory the police would not completely rule out. John spoke at a news conference saying that, like, he knew she hadn't run away. She was a mama's girl. She would frequently sleep with her parents or her sisters, and that the, the idea of her running away was just so far from the possibility that, like, that had never crossed their mind. It definitely would not happen. Within days, a group of 600 volunteers gathered in the basement of St. Mary's Cathedral to stuff envelopes with flyers that included her photograph and description. When looking around the neighborhood for potential suspects, it didn't take long for the suspic suspicion to fall on Kyle Bell, the man who Gina and her friends stopped to talk to while he was installing that light bar. Bell lived catty corner from the north. And when the Norse were walking around and asking the neighbors if anyone had seen their daughter, he maintained that he had not even seen her the night before, even though they had stopped to talk to them. And this is something that the parents didn't know at the time. John North had only... say that? Why mm -hmm. would he say he hadn't talked to them? Mm-hmm. John North had only met Belle once prior, and he had... Bell had come over to like borrow a wrench during a family Memorial Day barbecue, but he didn't strike John North as strange. He just said that he seemed like a quiet and hardworking person. But as they do, Bell was hiding a dark secret that police would soon uncover. Kyle Bell was quite literally a sexual deviant from the time he was a toddler, which sounds crazy to say. But his aunt, Kim Bell, said that her and his grandmother sought mental health counseling for him because even at a young age, he would go from like the sweetest kid to the most violent, uncontrolled behavior, something that wasn't typical for just like normal three year, three and four year olds. Like it was so like an example of that or just violent? no, she didn't say she just said that because um, I read this in two different like she gave a. We'll talk about it later on, but she gave an interview like later on and she just said that he it was scary, like his behavior was scary, but not much 
other than that has been mentioned about his childhood. What is known, though, is that three years before Gina's disappearance, Kyle Bell was sentenced to two years in prison for child molestation in Aberdeen, South Dakota, a sentence that he only served 10 weeks of. What? 10 weeks. 10 weeks of two years? Of two years. Why? That's infuriating. Then in mid-July, just a month after Gina disappeared, thunderstorms dumped 10 inches of rain in the area. The rain caused flooding all over, flooding a lot of basements. Mary Hogland cleaned, like, spent the day cleaning up her basement and then proceeded to go to like this local church to help them with theirs. On her way home from the church, she saw a black pickup parked in the middle of the bridge over the Cheyenne River with the man standing next to it looking down into the river. 20 minutes later, the man stopped by her father-in-law's property, which was really close to where Mary lived. And he told Mary that he had ran out of gas, so like asked if he could help. She gave him a five-gallon can full of gas, took him back, and while he was there, he started pouring, like, as you do when you run out of gas. He starts putting gas back in the tank. But gas starts spilling back out onto the concrete, like, almost immediately, showing that, like, the car already had gas in it. And it st- his truck started up, like, almost immediately, showing, like, there was never anything wrong with his car. So did she Before, like, stop and ask him if he needed help? Like, no, he walked up to her father-in-law's. That's what where, I'm like, wondering. She was. Yeah, he oh. walked up there. So she took him back and was like, "Hey, like, let me help you out with this." Um, I have a theory that he recognized, like, he was like, "Oh shit," because it's very suspicious. Like, you're looking at this rising river, like, you know, what's down there? This little girl is missing. Um, so he was kind of trying to do damage control but it ultimately backfired on him because before leaving he gave her his phone number and name kyle bell him staring at the river the whole gas can thing and like his car not actually being out of gas worried mary enough that she called the police so the police started to quietly search the cheyenne river they didn't make like a big deal about it they were just kind of like trying to be low-key poking around mm-hmm. but they found nothing and they had interviewed bell a few times prior not out of like hey we know you did it but more of like a you're a neighbor what have you seen type thing mm-hmm. they asked bell hey look you know can we just take a look around your truck and he was like oh yeah that's no problem at all I've never had Gina in this truck. But they pull out a vacuum to start searching for like hairs. And he was like, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe you you might actually find some of her hairs in here because I gave her and a friend a ride home from a Dairy Queen once. Once. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. And they were like, yeah, so why didn't you tell us this? And he's like, ah, it just didn't really feel relevant at the time. In a following interview, or a follow-up interview later that day, Detective Jim Ledeau tried to coax Bell into saying something by, like, giving different scenarios and, like, cited previous cases, being like, you know, there's sometimes accidents happen. You know, anything you know. And But Bell, like, stood firm. He's like, yeah, but you guys had the bodies in those cases, right? Ew. Mm-hmm. Kyle Bell, I hate you already. Not long after he was questioned in the disappearance of Gina, he was arrested again for the molestation of an eight-year-old girl and a three-year-old girl. And, yeah. How is he around all these children? Dude, right? I thought the same thing. But this is before, this is something we're going to talk about in a little bit. This is before there were registered sex offenders and you could just like know if any of your neighbors were a registered sex offender. Mm -hmm. 
So he was granted, he had a $20,000 bail. He posted bail and then not surprisingly took off running. So then the media went crazy over this. This is the first time that the Norths realized that their former neighbor was a convicted child molester. John North gave another interview where he said, how would you feel if this individual lived in your neighborhood without your knowledge? It appears that children are the ones bearing the brunt of the situation, which he is not wrong. And then he was like, how do you grant someone like this bail? Again, not wrong. After they've already been in jail for it. Mm-hmm. He, would, he went on the run for four months. Um, yeah, a police officer in North, a police officer noticed um, a North Dakota license plate. So this is like the suburb of Denver, parked at a gas station. Ran the plates, determined that truck was a registered fugitive on the run. Was registered to a fugitive on the run. Coincidentally, and I think in the best form of like karma, he had run out of gas. So weird. Maybe you should have kept that five-gallon gas tank. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, what an idiot. He tried to refuse extradition, but he was promptly transported back to North Dakota to face the charges of the child molestation. A detective from the Cass County Sheriff's Department, Steve Gabrielson, drove Kyle from Kyle Bell from Denver, Colorado, back to Fargo. During the car ride, Bell boasted of his new life and how he had his own construction company, how he had met a new woman. None of those things are real. No. Gabrielson said the conversation became sickening after several hours of driving because it was like he had he didn't care. He was like, oh, this is what's going on in my life. However, when the conversation shifted to Gina's disappearance, he became way less talkative. And he would say things like, you can't prove it if you have no proof. Or he would just deny any involvement completely. Another interview was conducted within the confines of the jail. And he claimed to only have a vague acquaintance with Gina and was like, "Mm, I wish I could provide any information to you guys, but I just... I'm unaware. Law enforcement had compelling evidence against Bell because, like, for the child molestation case, because he had taken, and this is a trigger warning, sorry, guys, he had taken explicit photographs of the girls, which, again, we love a dumb criminal. In the photos, you could see this, like, distinctive ring and wristwatch that he always wore. He was wearing them at the time of his arrest. Ugh, they were like weird look hey look this we noticed this watch there bro mm-hmm. he was hoping for a lenient sentence so he entered a guilty plea but on his so he had a here his sentencing hearing was on june 24th 1995 and the norths were present for the sentencing hearing because they knew that this man had something to do with the disappearance of their daughter the prosecution had done their like opening statements and she screamed at him bastard and like took off after him like trying to tackle him into the courtroom yes good so for each remember last time he served 10 weeks of a two-year sentence but this year they were like nah bitch not here and for each of the three child molestation charges, he was uh, the court imposed a 10-year sentence to be served consecutively for a total of 30 years, followed by 10 years of supervised probation. Still not enough. Still not enough. Mm-mm. Bell maintained just like the stoic expression. He showed no emo- emotion even after like Sue North tried to kick his ass in the courtroom. Um, but instead, like, so they do the sentencing and instead of taking him back to his jail cell, they completely did a beeline to the interview room. And he, the detective was like, listen here, if you give us his voluntary statement regarding like what happened the night that Gina disappeared, I'll recommend, you know, 
whatever your sentencing is to be served concurrently with these child molestation charges. So that instead of serving like his 30 years and then an additional murder charge, he would just serve both sentences at the same time. Mm-hmm. He reminded them, like the investigators were like, hey, listen, there's no statute of limitation on murder. So at any point, if we find her body or if we've completely pieced together what happened to her that night, you're going to have another charge and you are never going to get out of prison. He was like, okay, you know what? I will talk. I'll talk. I'll talk. What a bitch. Um, Dean Walworth, he was an experienced deputy and like he's an investigator for the attorney general's office. He proposed that Bell visit the prosecutor's office for a videotaped session. And Bell was like, yeah, dude, I'll go down there. But if I get a cigarette first. So oh, no. he you have smoked. a face like you're going to tell me something that I'm not <laughs> going to be happy about. Not yet, but we're getting there. So throughout a series of interviews that lasted several hours, he took breaks for cigarettes and sandwiches and sodas. Bell stated that, and this is going to, when I say this, it's going to piss a lot of people off. And I want to remind you that this is his words, not mine. And I would never, it's gross. He said that Gina had engaged in sexual acts with him right after she was last seen, that she had stopped by, but he maintained that this 11 year old girl, he was 28 at the time, initiated the entire thing that he was Mm -hmm. just like, Hey, okay. I guess, I guess small child. When everything was finished, He said that Gina threatened to reveal what happened to her parents. So he backhanded her while she was still wearing her rollerblades. When he did that, he said that she fell backwards and hit her head. And that is what caused her death. He then described placing her unconscious body in his pickup truck, driving to that bridge over the Cheyenne River and using a concrete block and rope to submerge her body after folding her, quote, like a jackknife. <gasps> Ew. He told Detective Ladeau, it was an accident, Jim. Shit happens. No. Shit does Mm-mm. not happen, Kyle. Mm-mm. He went to trial in 1999 for Gita's murder. And this is the prosecutor's, like, and the defense, like they maintain that this is the first murder case in North Dakota that was tried with the body not have been like have not been found. So they moved the case to Mandan. I don't know if I said that right, but um, because of the you know small town, the uh, pre-trial publicity they wanted to make sure that there was no room for him to appeal later on even though bell had confessed and at this point it had been four years since he had confessed the prosecutor still had like hurdle after hurdle to to jump through to try to get this case in trial number one being there her body had never been found they dammed the river they did like 14 searches there were special dive teams that came in there were volunteer dive teams that came in that just completely searched it um the the, turned anything no the police even went as far as like releasing a pig the same like weight as gina's body which is about 55 pounds several pairs of rollerblades just to see like where these items would end up those disappeared as well. The divers did locate sinkholes and some of them were like 10 feet deep and the prosecutor likened them to black holes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like sinkholes at the bottom of the river where things would just like disappear and into. This river was very prone to flooding. Okay. Like very prone. Um, A concrete block and rope consistent with those found at Bell's house were found by divers, but the prosecutor just 
like chose not to introduce them as evidence, fearing that like if they came into evidence, it would raise more questions and it would, you know, spark that reasonable doubt amongst the jurors to where like they wouldn't be able to get a conviction. The judge also ruled that Bell's initial confession had been obtained illegally. So they were able to use that. How had it been obtained illegally? Because they like snuck them away after the trial. Uh, to question. Okay, whatever. That's what I said. I was like, ah, feels mm-hmm. gross. Yeah. But the fault, like the statements afterwards, like when he was at the prosecutor's office, um, those were deemed admissible. So him saying like, oh, hey, shit happens. It was an accident type thing. That was kind of the nail in his coffin. Um, Gina's friends testified. One of them said that she and Gina had visited Bell multiple times that summer. Gina referred to Bell as C-Man, a nickname that still remains unexplained. Investigators do suspect that he had been grooming Gina for an extended period of time and the abuse had been ongoing. Who called him C-Man? Gina. Gina called him C-Man. Yeah, like her and her friend had visited him several times that summer and like she had a nickname for him. So the investigators were like, yeah. Initially when you said like they stopped and talked to this guy putting his light bar on, I was like, why would they do that? Like why would they just stop and talk to this like random dude putting something on his, like if I was an 11 year old girl, I would be like, Ew, gross. What if he looks over here? Run. Like, ah, yeah, I'd have been like, you know, freaked out, like, ah, the light can see us. But it would be, I mean, I would stop and talk to someone that I have been familiar with, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And we know, and again, this is not victim shaming at all in the least, in the slightest at all. When children are being groomed, their abusers are buying them things, taking them places. Like, you know, you have that fear that they're instilling. So it's not like unheard of for her to be like, hey, what's up? Type thing. Yeah. I mean, that would be the only explanation in my head is that she'd been groomed to mm-hmm. think of this person as like, it's normal that I talk to you. Me, yeah, exactly. Your old man. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking that he, again, this is just speculation. I was thinking that he had, you know, talked to her, done all this, like you said, like made it think it was normal. And then on the night that he abducted her was the first time like he assaulted her. And then Mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm telling my parents. And yeah. And he killed her. Yeah. Yeah. But this what like even though some of the evidence was circumstantial, his incriminating statements and the testimonies and because she had hairs were found in his truck that belonged to Gina. He was it like I said, it was one of the first times that this happened, like even without a body, it all of this evidence proved sufficient for a murder conviction. And he was sentenced to life that was scheduled this is like the beauty in all of it he did all of this thinking that he would have like concurrent life sentences or like concurrent Mm -hmm. sentences but they aren't scheduled to start until 2019 after his molestation sentence sentences end good so he's there forever Mm -hmm. well well mm, what Three weeks later, while en route to a maximum security prison in Oregon, Bell managed to escape from a transport bus during a stop in New Mexico. What? He he was being transferred from North Dakota State Penitentiary to a supermax security facility, and he escaped on Thursday, October 14th. He was traveling, so it was like a private company that That was hired. That doesn't sound like supermax to me. Well, what's crazy, and this is like what I was like, what the fuck? He was, it was like a private company. And I don't know, 
I don't know a lot about like the transportation system or like transfer system. I have literally only seen all of this on Orange is the New Black. But um, a private company was hired to move all of these inmates. 30 other inmates were with him. And they were all set to go to like various prisons on the West Coast. He had a handcuff key hidden in the sole of his shoe that they, even after a strip search, no one had seen. They had, during a stop, um, one of the guards was pumping gas. One of the guards went inside for snacks. And two guards were up front fucking sleeping with uh, these inmates on the bus. These super max on their way yeah. to, like, spend life in prison. They're like, you know what? It sounds great. A nap. Our job isn't that important. Well, and not just a nap. I bet you're wondering, what was he wearing? I'll tell you. Civilian clothes. What? Were he wasn't trans. Civilian yeah. He wasn't transferred in like a big you orange jumpsuit. 30 of them fucking escaped? Yeah. <laughs> no, just him. Like, also, like, what a dick. Like, you didn't take anyone with you. You're like, hey, guys. It's going to be a me thing. But no, he... He was wearing just like regular people clothes. He wasn't wearing a jumpsuit that was like, hey, I'm an inmate or like anything like that. They made this so easy for him. There was actually um, letters like sent to the state house regarding like how this transfer happened and like how these private companies are kind of just doing whatever when they're transferring these inmates. But he escaped through a ventilation hatch onto the roof of the bus. Mm -hmm. And no one followed him. No one was like, me too. He had help from another prisoner, but it didn't say if that prisoner went with him or not. He okay. remained on the bus, just like in my favorite movie of all time, Con Air, as the bus <laughs> pulled away. And then he slipped away. Like, he just, like, slid off the bus like the snake that he is. And I was like, why? <laughs> what? They weren't like, okay, we got our snacks. Let's do a head count. No, they were like, oh, looks good to me. One, two, skip a few, 29.30. We're good. Handled. It's fine. We're doing a great job here, boys. He stayed on the run for another three months, and he was featured on one of my all-time favorite shows, America's Most Wanted. And the final time, I think he was featured on there a total of five times, like, throughout this whole process. Um, one of the times... A neighbor recognized him as a man named Chris Larson, whom they had met at a homeless shelter. And he told, like, hey, I'm Chris Larson. The man started working, this and that. But the police, like, the neighbor saw it and was like, wait a second. That yeah, guy's name that is... That looks like Chris Larson. That looks like Chris Larson. So they called the police, and when the police knocked on his door... So he, I guess he's got these like really distinct tattoos. I couldn't find any pictures of them, but I really wanted to. But he's got these distinct tattoos. And when the police knocked on the door, they, he was like, changed his appearance a little bit, like fake. <laughs> I am going to stick on mustache. He was like, hello, it's me, Pierre. <laughs> My name is Chris Larson. My name is Chris Larson. I don't know what this but, accent is, but it's Kyle. It's Kyle. Kyle. It's a fucking Kyle accent. But um, so he was arrested, sent back to prison, and they were like, yo, bro, you are never getting out of here. So he is now at the U.S. Penitentiary in Tucson, Arizona. Unfortunately, life for the North have been, it's been understandably difficult following Gina's abduction. Sue and John North eventually divorced, and Sue really struggled following all of this. Um, she struggled with alcohol. At one point, she was homeless. Um, thankfully, though, she did find light at the end of the tunnel, and she did begin her journey to heal, and she met and fell in love with a mechanical engineer who she met through Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, she had moved to Texas following her divorce. John and Sue still celebrated Gina's birthdays together. Sue was actually married to her second husband on the date of Gina's disappearance because she said that she wanted it to feel like Gina was part of that day as well. Um, and she continued the hope of finding Gina's remains up until her death in 2009. She was only 58 when she passed. Oh, that's awful. But during the search and all of this, um, 
Jacob Wetterling's parent, like family had reached out to them as well. Um, when Jacob's remains were discovered and like, um, Heinrich had like led them to them. John North had a renewed sense of hope because they're not, I don't think they buy that he dumped her body in the river. I think mm-hmm. they think maybe he buried her somewhere else or it's supposed to remain somewhere. I think he probably did because I think when the river flooded, he was like, wait a second. And that's why he was staring down into it. Yeah. The sinkhole thing is crazy. Yeah. So, and like just the fact that they dropped like pigs with, or like, you know, similar weights with rope and concrete and mm-hmm. those things also disappeared. Also crazy. Yeah. Don't go swimming in the Cheyenne River. But I also have a throwback <laughs> to another case for you. Oh. Because this, when they started the search for Gina, the town did not have a lot of resources. And that's actually why they scaled the search back after just a few months. Mm-hmm. But the Poly Class Foundation set aside, mm-hmm. their board set aside $5,000. And that's actually how, when they initially did all of the um, flyers and everything. That's how that was funded. Was from the Poly Class oh, Foundation. That gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember yeah. like you had talked about the foundation before, and mm-hmm. like during that episode, and I was like, this is connected to like two of the episodes that we've covered. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I um, I still think about that episode a lot, actually, and that foundation as well just in Mm -hmm. general but cool that's awesome when it kind of like links back around like that oh i think it's hard when you've never been found i know i think it's hard when you have the closure of a conviction but not the closure of like your daughter yeah and john north is like i just want to bury her like that's all we want like you just want something um it's it also was crazy to me that both Heinrich and Bell got they were the case for murders were really built over like around them molesting other kids and it's like when I'm gonna Google it unless you don't know when did like sex offenders have to start mandatory reporting I think it was ninety six. Okay. And North Dakota, I think it was 96. So it's different in every state. Yeah. It was at the time. I think now it's like a national. But each state has their own sex offender registry. And I know this because, fun fact, if you ever get hired through the federal government, like what I do, we uh-huh. run you through the sex offender database oh, per state. You know, little baby Google. But also linking to Jacob Wetterling, it says the 1994 Jacob Wetterling Crimes Against Children and Sexually Mm -hmm. Violent Offender Act required states to implement a sex offender registration program. And in 1996, Wetterling was amended by Megan's Law. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Because her dad said if he would have known that a sex offender, like a registered child molester, lived that close to them, he would have moved his family that same day. He would have moved them or he would have not let, you know, his children at the very least would have been warned, like, do not talk to that person. Like, we stay away from that person. Oh, yeah. That's just crazy. I was wondering if he saw her because it said that like they had talked her friend said they had talked to him several times that summer so I was wondering if like in my head like again this is like rabbit hole I was just thinking out loud did he see her at the family barbecue when he went over to like borrow that wrench had he seen her like playing outside like hanging out with her friends and then like kind of honestly I wouldn't doubt that like started the conversation at that point you know because he's already been to jail he's moved and if he's already I'm sure he was scoping out anyone in his area that might fit you know what he wanted to do Uh uh-huh and that's and obviously there were several girls in that area her age Mm -hmm. and they were 
all just doing what kids do, which is run around in the summer. Uh, gross. And I still, we have talked about this several times, like just, I mean, just in general, like us talking about parenting. You can uh, educate your children. Right. Like you can give them all of the tools. You can do everything right. I I stand by, I don't think you can live in fear to where you don't let your children do anything at all. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be safe, but I mean, my son walks back and forth to the soccer park and it's like two blocks away, you know, like. Yeah, you. My middle son runs back and forth to the neighbors across the street. Like, it's kind of like you just have to kind of let kids be kids. Like, yeah, you can't watch your children 100% of the time, all the time. You can do your best for sure, but like, you Mm -hmm. also do have to teach them kind of that independence and like figuring stuff out on their own where you run the risk of them being, you know, adults who don't know how to be adults. And that is scary, just that idea of that. But and I, 11 and 12 and just that age is so, that's just like the time when that is happening too, when you're kind of letting them like figure it out and start, um, mm-hmm. start, you know, yeah, you can walk two blocks. You'll be, you got it. Like instilling that almost like yeah. confidence, like giving them the confidence to be able to do that. I don't know. It's And we go back to like you scary. and I grew up in the same town and the where you were abducted from, I walked that hundreds of times. Like Yeah. And it wasn't you know, like I mean, I did say at the very beginning of this episode that at seven and eight I was walking down to the public pool. But I should preface that with that it wasn't it was like a block away from my house. It was. And Yeah. I um I don't know. I remember, you know, that day when I walked behind, like, to see if my friend was there and then walked behind the building. And I didn't even, it's just like not even on your radar. Like, you don't even think about stuff like that. But again, no matter how safe you are, no matter how of a protective parent you are, there's always, there's always people like who are waiting, Mm -hmm. you know, lurking. It's crazy because I think like, I mean, we were in eighth grade. That's what my son, so 13, I was 13 and I would walk up to the, you know where I lived. I walked up to the Chinese restaurant. We, like whenever we had like our flex days from school mm-hmm. or yeah. like half days, like we would walk from the middle school to the Chinese restaurant, like about t- a group of like 10, 13 year old girls. Just. I would be afraid of that group. Bulk 13 year old girls. That sounds terrifying to me. I mean, I still think girls are definitely like, don't talk to them. Don't even look at them. (laughs) Dude. And I also think that like kids are a lot bigger than what they used to be. Like, I do not remember 13 (laughs) year olds in the chicken, man. (laughs) It's the hormones. Like I think about my oldest who he's 13. He just turned 13 in April. He weighs like a 130 pounds. He's like five, seven. And he's like five, eight now, five, seven or five, eight. Cause he's two inches taller than me. And I just am like, bro, that'd be hard pressed to try to throw you into like a truck. Like you big kid. No, I I remember my eighth grade picture of me in my like little shirt with my little tie on, like I was Avril Lavigne. And I don't know, thirteen year olds are just built different now. They will like they did not they don't have they are built different. Like they used to. <laughs> no you aren't our neighbor girl across the street is like the cool. Like, it's like, I'm almost 35 and I'm like, dude, I want to be your friend. You are the coolest fucking girl I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, please like me. <laughs> please be my friend. Please, please think I'm cool too. And <laughs> like, no, they don't. I know the internet really did them good in that regard. They got the best part of the internet. And we just mm-hmm. got the scary part of the internet. They did. They got like the makeup tutorials Dude, and we I, got like fucking strangers telling us that they were 18 year old dudes from California. <laughs> I had, I had the epitome of mom high that I will be chasing for the rest of the time that I have children. 
last week I was at soccer practice with my middle, my oldest son. And it was like, a sh- it was that shitty stormy day when I was just bitching to you about like, my <laughs> fucking life sucks right now. I go to pick him up and he didn't have his phone because like, I was like, dude, you can't take your bag. And it's like, it's pouring. Like just leave all this stuff in the car. I don't want your stuff to get wet. So they have them under the shelter and they kept like taking them back and forth. Like it would rain, have some lightning and they would take them back out in the field and let them practice a little bit. And I'm like, dude, brother, just call it. Like we're good. No just parent here go. is going to be pissed off if we get to go home right now. And they're all sitting under the shelter. The coach was finally like, all right, I'm canceling practice. So all these like soccer players and he plays on like a club team. So it's only like kids from 2010 on it. And I pull up and he's new to this team. So he's only been playing with them since I think this is second month, like of like seeing these kids. He sitting behind the group because he's like a quiet kid. I pull up. And someone yells, whose hot ass mom is that? <laughs> I have never, because it was just me. Like, I was the first one to be like, skirt. Get the fuck out of so I pull up and he's like, whose hot ass mom is that? And I have never seen my son's shoulders sink more. <laughs> like, maybe I can become the ground. I'm out of here. <laughs> he, he just wanted to leave out. this earth. Yeah, as he's leaving, he's like, dude, that's your mom. And I was just like hair flip, like, well, yes. <laughs> I haven't showered in three days, but thank you for the I was, I was like, I'm gonna chase this high forever. Like the feeling of a 12-year-old being boy being like, hot mom. It's all I've ever wanted. Ever since I knew your mom, I wanted to be the hot mom. It's just like what I've always wanted. Oh my god. Now I want to sink into. I don't want to be the cool mom. Like I'm not the cool mom. Like I'm going to be the strict mom that my kids are like. Oh, you have to know everything we're doing. But I'll be the hot mom. Be the hot mean mom. That's a (laughs) hot mean mom. I wouldn't be like, dude, your mom's hot, but she's kind of a bitch. (laughs) She doesn't let you do anything. He should have said that. He should be like, yeah, I guess, but she's kind of a bitch. Like, that's what he said <laughs> to that kid. I just, he just got it. And he said, can we just go? And I was like, <laughs> bye, boys. <laughs> what a creep. You're such a creep. Uh... <laughs> my, <laughs> he got home and told my husband. And I was like, because he just got it, like, got, walked inside and immediately was like, just, he hated us. Because he's at the age where he hates us anyways. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I could like, like, hey, how was your day? Fine. What do you I do? Like, like nothing. Having a hot mom gives you issues, like that you don't really fully understand ever in your life. You're just like, why, why did this happen to me? Why was I cursed with good genes? But it'll be great one day for him when he's like, mm-hmm. all right, I got those good genes too. It's okay. Yeah, I'm like, I look just like me, so. He does. He has, like, if you had a 13-year-old boy face, it would be Mm -hmm. your kid's face. And when you have blonde hair, it's even more. Like, I see it. I'm just like, yeah, it is. Because (laughs) the little nose and the little, like, sarcastic facial expressions, I see it 100%. He's at the point now where when I talk to him, he rolls his eyes. Like everything I invented that he just okay. So I bought him. He's obviously like a huge soccer fan, and um, if you know soccer, you know that Messi just came to America to play. It's like a huge freaking deal. He's the greatest soccer player of all time. He is. I have no the, idea what that means. I did either. This is like he's like the best of the best. He's the best to ever play. He's insane. He's, I think he's like three or 400 years old. I don't know. (laughs) My son told me, my son told me that in soccer years, he's old. So in soccer, so he's 26, like 15. (laughs) When he came, like MLS, like we don't, the MLS doesn't have like the American soccer is not just as good as like the premier leagues overseas. So when he came, it was a huge deal. Well, as soon as he came, 
any game that he was playing in, the ticket shot up like crazy. And in a moment of weakness, my son's best friend told um, his mom was like, hey, I want to get our kids these tickets. What do you think about? They're coming to Cincinnati. It's a cup game. It's going to be a big deal. And without thinking, I was like, dude, yeah, let's do it. So she gets them, and then she's like, they're $1,000. And I was like, for all four? Mm-mm. A Pete, like, for the two of us. Like, for the two of us to go see this guy, it's $1,000. And I was like, Bleh. And then I was like, okay. And then I get him these tickets. He maintains that he is not the favorite kid. He was like, you hate me. And I'm like, who else am I doing this kind of stuff for? You little twat. And he dead ass looks he at He literally me. went and saw a blink, like. Yeah, yeah, he was living like my teenage dream. He looked at me dead in the face and goes, do you want to give your ticket to such and such, which is another one of his friends. He's like, he's obsessed with Messi. And it could be me and blah, blah. We could go and his mom can take us. I was like, you don't want to go with me? He's like, well, I just think that, insert friend's name, would like it better. You're like, yeah, tell his mom to give me fucking $500. <laughs> and I just looked at him. And I was trying not to let him see how crushed I was. Like heartbroken. Oh. I know. And then I just said, get the hell out of my face. <laughs> I was like, how about help. I take someone else to see Messi? <laughs> <laughs> give him your like, ticket. Me and your brother are going to go. Instead, your brother doesn't even play <laughs> soccer. <laughs> he doesn't even watch it. He doesn't even know who this guy is. <laughs> but he'd love the snacks. The difference is in the two of them, like where he, my oldest is like, I want all the sports. I want to go to sports games. I want to go to these concerts. And my middle son is like, I asked him what he wanted for his birthday. And he was like, do we have any restaurants around here that just have a really top tier risotto? I can get behind that. I love that. <laughs> I was like, you want like a nice steak dinner for your birthday? He's like, I would love to go to just a nice restaurant and be treated. Like That's a what he said for an evening. I was like, got him like a t- a little tuxedo. We're gonna dress suit. up. I'm gonna take him to this place in like downtown Dayton. That's like super nice, and. I was like, do you want dad to go? He was like, I was thinking it could just be the two of us. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you say less. Best friend, mom. I'm in his best friend. I was like, hey, they have creme brulee. And he was like, oh, they do. <laughs> so we're going to have a fancy feast night, just the two of us. And I'm that's, so pumped for it. That's very cute. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I want so many pictures from that night. And I'm going to frame them and put them on my walls. I'm going to make him wear a bow tie. Yeah, you he needs you gotta get him like a full like three piece suit, mm-hmm. tiny bow tie. Well, it would be tiny bow tie added. He has implemented a comfort beanie into his wardrobe. That does not surprise me at all. That is a beanie <laughs> kid, one million percent. That's what I thought. I thought of all the beanie kids I mean, we like, do he's in high school. Wear that fucking beanie until he's nineteen through summer. <laughs> Through fall, spring. He sleeps in it. He sleeps yeah. in it. He sleeps in this comfort slouch mm-hmm. beanie. And like his hair's like growing out. So he constantly has the beanie mark on his bangs. And I'm here for it. I am oh. here for this phase of his life. He is a beanie kid. Like uh, 100%. <laughs> Everyone knew a beanie kid. Don't pretend like you, you know it. You probably were the beanie kid. If you don't know the beanie kid, you were the beanie you kid. You were the beanie kid. <laughs> You know, the only and thing he's dang. missing is a, he's missing a slipknot t-shirt and one of those metal ball necklaces. Oh, ball chain or a puka. Could go puka shell. Could Depends go on. puka shell. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's not too he's late. So, I mean, he still has time to get those things. <laughs> that kid, when I say that my middle son is my sole child, him and I are so kindred. I asked him if he wanted to go to one of his friends wanted him to come over and stay like one of his best friends was like, Hey, he wants you to come stay on Friday. And like, we were having like a few of his friends go to the arcade on Sunday for his birthday. And I was like, I said, do you want to go? And he just looked at me dead ass and was like, no. And I was like, Oh, okay. Did something happen? He was like, if I go there Friday, 
I'm not going to want to party on Sunday. I was like, that's fair. Per weekend. Honestly, that's fair. fair. Yeah, I get that. I like that he's so sure of his own preferences already that he could be like, "Mm -mm, no, I can't do that because on Sunday I got a thing. Yeah. And he just tells people, (laughs) they're like, do you want to come over? And he's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, that's all you need to say. You don't have to give, like, you don't that's have to fine. explain yourself. You can just be like, no, no is, no is a sentence. Yep. The only friends that he will unapologetically hang out with, and it, it doesn't matter how many times he has seen them, is one girl is our neighbor girl. And the other girl is the female version of him. And <laughs> they She's also I'm, like, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm friends with her mom. Their her mom because they're in the same class for uh fourth grade, and her mom they their desk are right next to each other, so she got them the magnet socks that like are best friends. Oh, the little hands. That's yeah, so she cute. ordered them those so their their socks can hold hands during the day. I thought saw those and I was like, I want to get those for me and Connie. Like that was immediately what I thought. Yes, I want those. <laughs> like yes, I okay. also want no, the no. the magnet that's a butthole. Have you seen those? <laughs> the butthole magnets that are like um best they're called bestie, like best friend buttholes. And it looks like like from the top of it, it has like your hairstyle, like whatever you wear, but it's just like a decorated butthole. And I was like, I could get I behind this. Like, I need this. <laughs> we need magnetic best friend things. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I went to Claire's recently for the first time in like 10 years. And Ooh, that's a core memory. It's the same. There's nothing <gasps> like there's nothing different. Like I could have found those same things there. 10, 15. What'd your daughters get? Ago. Um, they did not get anything. And it's because my older daughter has wants to get her ears pierced. She's not getting them done at Claire's because mom is strict and rightfully so yeah so we're gonna go to a shop i have a very good friend who does piercings and she said that as long as they're of a certain age they can say their name and tell her what they want she will do it on kids so she's gonna do it on my eight-year-old i'm sorry eight and a half year old her half yeah you gotta get that half it was last week half I know. Um, Honey, I know. We have like the same half birthday. she, (laughs) She wanted to go to Claire's and pick out all the earrings that she'll get one day when her ears are healed. One day. I support that. I do the same thing. That's a good, smart girl. She's definitely an Aquarius through and through. She's got a plan. I know. And the girl brought a basket and like she looked at me and like under her breath, she was like, Mom, how do I tell her I don't want this basket because I'm not buying anything? I was like, you just go put it back in the basket holder. You just go set it down. It's fine. You don't have to say a word. They know. They know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you say, oh, nothing, just browsing. They know. It's all right. They know you're not buying shit. Mm -mm. Although um, I went to this past weekend, I went to Altered State. And Mm -hmm. usually that's like way too expensive. Like that's like big bank account shit. I cannot but I found their clearance room <laughs> and I bought so many, you know, like the Bath and Body Works wallflowers. Mm-hmm. They have altered state ones that make like it smells like the store. And the kit was $3.99 and the little plugins were $1.99, which was like 95% off. So I bought like $40 worth of that shit. Like, I'm going to smell like a department store. You're about to smell like the mall. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I'm down for that. That smell does But I, like, picked up though. a... Dude, it doesn't. I looked at a dress, though, and I was like, $178 for a mm-hmm. maxi dress. Like, dude, if you can get Ew. that, that's fine. But I'm a goodwill girly. Like... Yeah, I can't do it. Like, even if I loved it, even if I was like, this dress is amazing it looks incredible on me i have to have it i would immediately like look it up on poshmark or something like (laughs) online Mm -hmm. and be like maybe i can find it a little cheaper um but i can't do it i did buy one of the onesie like like tennis outfits that's not the skirt it's just like the athleisure i think people actually use them to work out but that's not what i'm wearing them for (laughs) it's like the one piece like athletic fit short thing thing whatever but they had one of those there and it was $15. And I was like, 
okay, right. I can get behind this price. No, I can a do bitch this. is not play pay an MSRP. You cannot convince me to do it. Mm-hmm. No way. I won't. Even if I had the money to spend that, I don't think I would. I was just talking about this. Like, if I had, like, a gajillion dollars, like, would I live that much differently? I don't think so. I don't really mm-hmm. think I would. I would just, I like, pay I... shit off, you know? Dude, yeah. I would... And I would have the most random, really nice things. Like, it would be things that it'd be like, look at this gold plated caviar. Would you like to try this? <laughs> but like clothes. It would, I'd spend it all on food, like the best food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would have, I mean, I still would wear like very nice clothes, but I would get them from like luxury, like for luxury thrift stores. <laughs> luxury thrift stores oh that's hilarious like the designer like thrift goodwill. of goodwill is that a thing i've never seen one or been to one yeah there's yeah dude what the stuff is still expensive like we're still not going to buy anything we're but... still not gonna buy shit but we can go look mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. go check it out you know what's funny is like i will not hesitate to drop a hundred dollars on a meal like a fancy absolutely not no i cake bake like you take me to cake bake 250 let's go i know or if you're like hey do you want to go somewhere i'm like yep let's go let's do it like money is not an object i'll Mm -mm. spend a hundred dollars at the gas station and not even blink Uh uh-uh but if you're like yo you really like this pair of shoes but they're still full price and i'm like "Mm mm-mm can't do it no i just bought this like pair of i like the way the yeezys look but apparently like he's not with adidas anymore so they clearanced out a bunch of adidas yeezy lookalikes i bought them from the outlet store they were like 50 bucks there and i got another 25 percent off or 50 percent off so i paid like 25 dollars for these shoes because i can still wear like a kid size seven because that's really like a women's size oh, eight dude my crocs are all adults like, are all kids size, like, six mm-hmm. and a halfs or sevens or whatever? hmm I was like, dude, these are sick. I mean, I would not pay the <laughs> I'm real so price. I'm so cool in these. <laughs> I'm so cool. I'm definitely <laughs> someone's hot mom. Yeezys. Fake Yeezys. <laughs> My oldest was like, are those Yeezys? I was like, do they look like they are? You should have just been like, like, yep. That's right, they are. He just looks at me, like, with just such disgust every time I do anything. <laughs> I just want to get like the day my middle son gets to that point and doesn't want to hang out with me. I'm going to, that's when I'm really going to struggle. You're going to be heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Cause now I can be like, Hey bub, you want to go do this with me? And he's like, yeah, you want to run to the store with me real quick? He could talk about a movie and I'm like, Hey, do you want to go on a date to see it? We can go to dinner and a movie. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. My oldest was talking about a movie that came out. I was like, do you want to go see it? Just the two of us. And he was like, "Mm, no. And I was like, okay fine you should have just went and seen it without him and been like it was so good dude (laughs) he told me he's like you love insert middle kid's name more than me i was like the only thing he gets more than you is quality time and that's because he wants it it's because he'll actually give it to me (laughs) suck it trebek (laughs) suck it trebek oh man he would not get that reference, but use it. No, he for wouldn't. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I hope your daughters good. don't get to that point. Um, I will cry when it happens. Right now, it has not. But we spend a lot of time spend a lot of time talking my older daughter down from stuff that she's bummed about or disappointed in. Like I can't yeah. tell her anything that we're doing ever. Because if it doesn't happen exactly that way, mm-hmm. God help us all. That's that happened Aquarius today, actually. It. it was, uh, we were like, oh, let's go. We're going to go to a little, have a little lake beach day. And the beach was closed because it was super choppy and windy. And mm-hmm. the meltdown that ensued was. Dude, I feel that. If you change long. my plans, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was not happy. Talked her down. Tried a new thing that she said she was going to hate. She did not want to go. She was like, why are you making me do this? Loved it. Had a great time. It was really fun. I love her so much. We went to a little Mm. creek. 
and she got to little creek stomp around and like play with rocks and sticks and she was having a great time and i had a great time too i had a better time than i would have if i was on the beach so <laughs> that's works all right guys yeah we'll smell you guys later bye thank you so much for listening to gruesome horrific true crime a zencaster powered podcast seriously we wouldn't be here without them Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers, and if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, Or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.